Hey guys, how you doing? Man, you know, I know uh, a while back I was talking about how spring has sprung all over the place. Check out YouTube right now because I put a short together regarding spring in northeast Oregon. Sitting at almost 3,000 feet and yeah, it's a winter wonderland. We had about two and a half inches of snow overnight. So quite a difference between say like uh, Southern California, Arizona, Deep South, where everything is 70s, 80s and higher already. Well, it hasn't quite migrated north of the 45th parallel, let me tell you. Quite a white scene. But that's not why we're here today. First of all, let me thank you for joining me. We are talking about some questions that I boiled down out of several down to the top five that I can be remembered people asking me all the time when they found out that I knew a little something about landscaping and horticulture, etc. So maybe these have happened to you as well. Whatever your field of endeavor is, you ever at a cocktail party or with friends and family and they know you know? How many times have you been asked questions about that? After many years of doing this career called professional landscape design and contracting, kind of reflected as to what are some of the most frequent questions I always get asked about people's landscapes and yards and problems. Well, in no particular order of frequency, I boiled it down to these five. Now, I probably have left some off, and I know I did, because I came up with about 15. But these are the ones that came to mind that I've been asked the most, and we're going to go over them and talk about some solutions to it. The number one question, the number one question that I've been asked is, why is my X, whatever it is, why is my whatever dying? I water it all the time. Number two is, I can never seem to get my X to grow here. What have I done wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Another one is, how come my sprinklers aren't working very well? They come on and everything, but I got these dry spots and it just doesn't seem to be working the way it should. Number four is, why is landscaping so expensive? It's dirt and plants and PVC pipe. Why is it so expensive? And finally, the fifth one, how can I become as creative and as talented as you and I can design my own yard? Those are, the, those are the top five questions. These little tidbits are given as reminders that we all have our God-given talents. I have come to the conclusion after a lot of years that this designing and landscape thing talents are mine. I've had some others, but they've never come as so natural as the, the designing and landscape construction has. I think a person has 90% or more of the game won if he does find a career, he or she enjoys and is good at it. I mentioned recently in a video and another podcast that if you find something that you love, you never work a day in your life. I don't totally agree with that old adage because many times, many times if you keep it as a hobby, yeah, it can be a very rewarding hobby. But if you take that hobby, you know, that you're really good at, you make it into a business, you really alter and augment that hobby quite a bit when you start mixing in business aspect of it. Check out last week's podcast or the YouTube channel. That's uh, what we talked about directly. But having that game 90% won and being good at something, it makes that person kind of 
get energized and get out of bed every morning and looks forward to the day because you're doing something that you like. I think having that type of expertise in whatever you're doing is really humbling in a way. And it can really help you as far as paying it forward type of thing. If you share that knowledge, if you share that knowledge with others, you know, in a free way and not hold that knowledge as a great secret and hold those knowledgeable cards really close to your vest, like me, 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 and only me. You know, that's why our channel is growing every single week is because we're putting it out there and we're putting this information in the hands of people who could use it. It's doing okay. It really is. All right, let's get into those, uh, those big five. How about the old, uh, why is my certain plant dying? I water it and everything. It's just not doing what it's supposed to do. As for watering things all the time or watering things every day, well, the plant may really only require water depending on what it is, maybe every three days, maybe every five days. Maybe it is in the wrong place to begin with, which we'll talk about. Maybe one should research just a little bit and make changes to the plant's needs and location and know the plant before you get the plant and not just fly by what you may think you know. A lot of times I've seen people put sensitive ferns in hot, full sun, windy areas and I've seen people put, uh, you know, juniper and full shade and they just... They don't understand. And so when you have someone that knows a significant amount about plant needs and horticulture, it's treading on that fine line, educating them without insulting them. So when you've placed or maybe others have placed a plant in the wrong place, it, the plant, is going to tell you soon on and in no uncertain terms that it is either happy or very unhappy. It kind of silently screams at you, either by doing a number of things in a physiological way. It either wilts all the time, it doesn't grow, uh, the leaves start to burn up, or any other obvious unhappy manifestations that come about. If you try to bend, and I've seen this so many times, you try to bend the plant's will and force it to grow or force it to live in a place where it's not happy and not listen to what it tells you, who is really at fault here? Who really is? Is it the, the plant or the highly intelligent homo sapien? You kind of have to step back, throw your ego in your back pocket and realize, huh, maybe I did something wrong here. I have an idea. Put yourself in an environment. You, think about it a second. Go put yourself in an environment with A, no food, B, extreme conditions that you are not accustomed to at all, either very cold or very hot. Don't give yourself enough water. Maybe you have improper clothes for the environment you've put yourself in and see how long you last. See how long it takes for you to become unhappy. It won't take long, that's for sure. So. When it does not work, it does not work. And there's no shame in digging something up, potting it up into a temporary container, putting it into what I used to refer to as plant sick bay for a while and let it recover. And then maybe during that 
recovery period, you figure out a better place to put something in. Okay, let's move on. How about irrigation systems? I have seen do-it-yourselfers over and over again assemble their own irrigation systems. It's not rocket science, but it is a science. It really is. When you have to start thinking about gallons per minute and pounds per square inch and distances and runs and etc. There is some science to it. I always applaud all DIY efforts, even if they're failures, because if you don't fail once in a while, you're never going to freaking learn. So applauding those DIYers out there, I, I really think there should be a lot more of them. In this day and age, everybody turns to writing a check rather than, you know, testing their own metal and doing something themselves. But many DIYers don't think systems all the way through. They don't study the stuff that's out there on YouTube. They don't study the stuff that's on websites like Rainbird and many of the other irrigation supply companies that have downloadable assembly sheets and stuff that you can get. With less than 30 minutes, less than 30 minutes, you can become really pretty familiar on the basic grasp of understanding irrigation and water dynamics, etc. And apply that correctly for a good functioning and working sprinkler system. The biggest mistake, the biggest mistake that I always saw was people used too small a pipe and way too many sprinklers on each zone or each valve. That's the biggest thing that I saw. They never added up the amount of gallons per minute that flow through a three-quarter inch PVC pipe versus how many gallons a minute their sprinkler nozzle is going to throw out and the distance from the valves to the last sprinkler head. So it looks like the last sprinkler head is almost peeing instead of sprinkling. You know what I mean? So you have to always add those things up. You have to check out, let's see, I got a half inch radius spray pop-up lawn head that I'm going to be putting on here. I know that three quarters a three-quarter PVC pipe is going to throw about nine gallons, maybe 10 gallons with real high pressure. And so you know if you divide 1.8 into nine gallons, that's all you're going to that's all the heads you're going to have to put on that zone to really work at an optimal level. And we're kind of averaging that out around 50 pounds per square inch of pressure. So think about that. It, it comes in very, very, very handy. Okay, moving on to the next one. Expensive landscapes. Why is landscaping so expensive, coach? My God. You know, I got an estimate last fall and the guy wanted to redo my backyard. He wanted, you know, $15,000 or $12,000 or $32,000, depending on what level of gooch you're doing. But you know, if you look at it, if you look at it, you're talking just boil it down to just plants alone, not anything else, just plants. You can go to a box store or Walmart during their, their springy season and you could pay $10 for a gallon canned plant now. $10. And you can pay, you know, for a quality bulk compost it can be as much as $35 to $55 a cubic yard. And one simple anti-siphon valve that goes on an irrigation system can be as much as $25. And you start multiplying those costs over all the materials needed, 
And that does not include the professional's cost of running a business and making a profit. So if you do that, say you've you got a backyard project and you've got 25-gallon whatevers and you've got 15-gallon can whatevers and you have two flats of 4-inch whatevers and then all your irrigation, your sod, your cement, your bark, your compost for soil amending, any sort of Gucci luxury widgets that you're going to put in there, if you do it yourself, you know you're going to have about a 50% discount, but it's still going to cost you a pretty penny. It's not going to cost you three pretty pennies like it would if you hired a pro like me. But there's not a landscaper in the world out there worth the salt that's going to be embarrassed about making a profit. You're writing a check for ease and convenience for you, not for him. This is his livelihood. He's going to bring himself, machinery, and any number of people to come in and do the work that you don't want to do. So it's a choice. You know, you either save a lot of dollars and tackle it yourself, which is mostly who my audience should be, or get out your checkbook, draw up that second mortgage. Save, save, save for a couple years and then pay someone to do it or do it yourself. But you know something, when it comes to people scream at, what do you mean it's $50 a cubic yard for compost? My God. Well, I did some math the other day and I said, uh, people have no problem going into a store and because they have allergies, going up and get a little, little dinky thing, a nose spray, which is generally about a half ounce for a little thing of Afrin or something. And you multiply that out the cost of fuel and everything else these days, you multiply that nose spray out on a cost per gallon. Well, I did the math, and I think I did it right, but it comes out to a little over $2,000 for a gallon. And here we are throwing down $9 for a little half ounce spray, and we don't think anything about it. Thank God we don't pay $2,000 or more for a gallon of gasoline yet. Hope I never get... Good God, can you imagine? Huh. So... The expense of landscape costs and everything else, you add in profit margins, administrative costs, employee costs, vehicle costs, equipment costs, and voila. That's why landscaping is one of the top three expensive home improvements that you can do. Countless times I've had to sit down at kitchen tables with people when I'm giving them estimates and explain this to people. And that's why I usually had estimates that were broken down into various categories so that people could understand it. So how many of you out there would be considering some of these questions that I've gone over here today? A lot of this is kind of commonsensical, but when you're not in the green industry, it's not always at the forefront of your mind all the time. Lastly, let's cover this, this one last one, and then I'm gonna let you guys go for today. How about planting something? Kind of goes along with the first question. I planted my something over here in the corner of my yard and Five out of six of them are doing great, but the sixth one, for some reason, what, what's wrong with this one when all these other ones are healthy? And I can boil that down to one thing. Individualism. Actually, two things. Individualism and natural selection. There are times that during planting, root balls will become shocked. There are times when too much soil has fallen off the root ball. There are times where you'll get a, a rodent or something that'll come in and nibble on root systems on one particular plant and not touch anything else. There are times when you just don't have the answer. The biggest thing I've always found 
when you have one particular one that has succumbed to whatever, always check your planting depth. See how that one plant that is struggling, how it's settled in your planting hole. Does it look like all the rest? Or could it possibly be just a little bit lower than all the other ones? And now you have soils and mulches and everything that have built up around the base of that trunk and created a little bit of crown rot and now it's starting to suffer as a result. Depth of planting is probably, probably the second most cause of death in ornamental plantings for people. Watering is number one. Watering is always either too much or too little and you really have to learn to group plants with like needs and not to overwater depending on your soil conditions. So consider those things. Man, this has been fun. Those are the top five things that I've been asked over the, over the years and at garden shows and get-togethers and whatever. I've enjoyed you guys staying this far. And if you have, man, jump on over to the YouTube channel this week. I'll cover this topic in a little bit more, especially in the shorts and other things. Check that out. I am so grateful for your guys' attention. And if you can, check out the website. Support me in any way you can. I'll catch you guys next Friday, though. Every Friday, kick off your weekend in the end of your work week. And if you guys have any questions regarding landscape issues, only an email away. Website has the email, but if you don't have it, youryardcoach at gmail.com. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you guys next week. As always, to your landscape success, take care. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.